Soft as it began by Rubber Soul 02. Chapter 13. The estate's gardens are vast, meticulous trimmed hedges lining the grounds, well pruned rose bushes, richly coloured irises, and bright white gardenias. Nothing so common as a daisy, not a single weed in sight, nor leaf out of order. We pay the house elves quite handsomely, Theo explains as they walk side by side the sky above them clear and dark. The gravel path crunches under their feet, the way lit by various lanterns and string lights that glow softly amongst the branches of magnolia trees. I thought I'd tell you, so that I might save you the trouble of asking. Hermione smiles softly, looking up at her companion. It's not hard to see Theo's appeal. Yes, he was boisterously confident, his ego surpassing even that of Draco's, but he was also absurdly charming. His smile was warm and handsome, and he was easy to talk to. He knew how to make her comfortable when he wanted to, knew exactly what to ask and say to keep the discussion moving. Without Draco around, Theo seemed slightly less of a peacock. If you're expecting me to give you a pat on the back for showing basic human decency, I'm afraid you've got the wrong girl. Theo clicks his tongue, a light chuckle floating from his lips. He walks with a measured stride, posture impeccable, his hands clasped easily behind his back. It was more for your own peace of mind than to stroke my ego, Granger, but I thank you for graciously humbling me. It's a habit. No one, Slytherin, and you know them all, she jokes as the path leads to a small grove of fruit trees that stretches off along the rest of the grounds. You and Draco have spent a lot of time together, then. A smile tugs at her lips. Recently, yes. Not that it was my choice. It was sort of forced upon me. She can feel Theo study her as they turn around to a small stone fountain to walk the other way. But you're quite fond of him now, aren't you? He observes, a bit of mischief to his voice. Hermione slows, looking away from Theo to brush her fingers against a set of zigzagging ferns, her neck and cheeks warming. It's a bit more complicated than that, she tells him, running her thumb down the length of a leaf. Let's just say it took us a while to warm up to one another, and it still isn't always particularly... Warm? Theo jokes. She lets out a dulcet chuckle. <laughs> exactly. That's Draco, though. Theo shrugs as they keep moving, a breeze cooling Hermione's skin and sending a layer of goose pimples down her bare arms. Especially after the war, and what he went through. He got the worst out of all of us. I mean, he's always been a prick, but I think it takes a special person to turn your life around after something like that. And he tries. At least he tries. Her heart gives a small tug in her chest. A beat or two of recognition, maybe pride. You two have been friends for a long time, haven't you? Theo seems to consider this before nodding, his eyes trailing up over the headline at the starry sky. Since we were kids, although it's safe to say I fell from his good graces a while back. She turns to look at him, eyeing his profile. It's so different from Draco's, whose features she has grown used to. She came to expect to see whether she turned her head towards the nearest voice. 
Theo's face doesn't carry the same burdens that Draco's does, nor the characteristic control. You had a falling out, she states, doesn't feel the need to pretend that she doesn't already know. She thinks Theo is too perceptive for that anyway. I think you were really Draco's friend. You would have tried to make it right. But it's not really any of my business, is it? Theo breathes through his nostrils. I don't know if you've noticed, Granger, but Slytherins don't really do apologies. Maybe Slytherins don't, but people do. Friends do. And in my opinion, it's never too late to try. Theo doesn't reply, letting another silence fall over them. The fountain trickles eager streams of water behind them, and she can make out a few lights in the windows of the manor. She wonders briefly what Draco is doing right now. Why'd you do it? Theo stops as they reach a small carved stone bench, pointing with his chin for her to sit. The stone is cold under her legs, seeping into her skin. She lets out another shiver, and Theo notices, quickly casting a warming charm over her. I was in love with her. She looks over at him. Theo's eyes twinkle under troubled reminiscence as he meets her gaze. And Draco was a major dick in his sixth year. Wouldn't talk to Pansy and me about anything, and lashed out at us for no reason. Pretty much ignored us all of second term. Fly whiskey was involved, and it just sort of happened. Not that that's any excuse, but I was sixteen, and when you're sixteen, the girl you love pulls you into a closet to snog you. He looks away, lifting both shoulders as if to say, the rest is history. Maybe Draco would understand, if you told him. Maybe, he says quickly, dismissively. Maybe not. It's not like he ever really cared for Pansy anyway, and besides, now that he's got you around to soften him up a bit... I think you've got the wrong idea about Malfoy and me, she laughs breathily. It's more of a put-up-with-each-other-and-wait-it-out kind of situation. Theo turns his chin to face her, raising a single, sceptical eyebrow. Brightest witch of her age, he mumbles, rolling his eyes. Hermione's stomach turns itself in knots. Was her confusion that obvious? Could Theo sense that her feelings towards Draco were one of the few things she was entirely unsure about? So what happened? she asks, distracting herself from her thoughts. With Pansy. Theo looks at her from the corner of his eye, a sort of sad, accepting smile appearing and disappearing in quick succession. Well, we continued to see each other for a bit. Draco ended things with both of us. He chuckles at this, but it's disingenuous. His eyes are sad. I was angry with him. Angry that he wasn't fighting more. For Pansy, who he discarded as if their relationship had never happened. That he didn't seem to have the energy to fight with me. I didn't understand that he was hurting. I didn't understand that he was going through more than I could ever guess. My pride took a hit, I suppose. Which is why I never apologised. How fucking selfish does that sound? I was pissed at him because Draco didn't seem to care enough to give me the time of day to hear why I'd done what I'd done. It was juvenile. By the time I was ready to own up to my shit, it felt like it was too late. I was in Austria, Draco in Wiltshire, and Pansy and I were trying to pretend we both weren't fucked up because our parents were on trial for war crimes. And guilty. 
we tried to work it out for a while. Because I loved her. I did. I do remember Pansy's birthday. I remember because Draco was there. And he could barely look at me. And Pansy and I were on the verge of ending things. We were unhappy, and our relationship was built on a history of betrayal and pain and war. We never asked to be a part of. Things were different in the real world. We were different. She moved to New York, and I stayed here. There's nothing more to it, really. Hermione feels a pang of empathy for Theo. He'd hurt the people he'd loved, but he was owning up for it. And maybe he hadn't exactly acted on his remorse, but there was something to be said for recognising the ways his mistakes had affected other people. I think if you told Draco exactly what you just told me, you might have a chance of patching things up. Theo looks up at her, pensive. As for Pansy, Hermione continues, I think if you love each other, there's always a chance that a fresh start might do you some good. You can build something you're proud of together, something built on forgiveness and renewal and absolution. I think that when we love people, it makes us strong enough to overcome all the other things. Theo watches her, almost transfixed, as if her meagre advice is a revelation. She gives him an encouraging smile, an emblem of her self-belief in him. Sounds like you're especially familiar with second chances, Granger. I think I am, yes. I've also had my fair share of asking for them. Theo nods, twisting his head around to look at the orchids. Maybe I'll have a better chance with Draco, since you two have given each other so much practice. Hermione laughs, shrugging. What can I say? Slytherins, I'm discovering, keep finding ways to make themselves redeemable. There's a pause, a silence thick with both their thoughts, with contemplation and realisations. It's strange to see you two together, working as a team, Theo says to break the silence, looking at her with a cheeky grin. I'm a bit surprised you haven't bitten each other's heads off yet, though. It knocked me for a loop when he jumped to defend your honour at dinner. I don't think he'd do that for just anyone. Trust me, that was a first for me, too. I knew he'd changed, but I didn't really see exactly how much until tonight. Theo chuckles lightly, nodding his head in understanding. Well, whatever it is you've got going on, it works. You two make a mean team. I'm glad, because I know you won't turn out to be a rubbish friend like I did. His smile falls away before he tilts his head back to look up the sky. Here's a thought, Theo, she says, her voice so quiet it's almost a whisper. She knocks her elbow into his slightly. Make it up to Draco by letting us into that library. I know you have a lot to risk. But you also have a lot to gain. Theo smiles at the ground, rubbing the heel of his shoe in the dirt beneath, drawing a line in the gravel. You're persistent, Granger. I've always liked that about you. And you're kinder than you make yourself out to be. I've always noticed that, too. He looks at her from the corner of his eye, a smile twitching on one side of his mouth. You sure know how to butter a wizard up, don't you? He straightens, leaning backwards on the bench on his palms, his shoulders brushing hers. Hermione shakes her head dismissively, lifting an eyebrow. It's like you said, Theo. I'm persistent. He looks at her, his eyes on hers for a moment, and his smile falls into a look of consideration. He inhales a sharp breath, cutting himself off, as if he's not sure he should say whatever's on his mind. 
you're... You're looking for Potter, aren't you? She's not really surprised that he's guessed. She should have known he'd be too clever to not understand what was really going on. She decides she trusts him, though, and she wants Draco to w kill her for this later. Yes, she nods, not feeling the need to say much else. Theo continues to look at her, tongue resting inside his cheek for a moment, before seemingly making a decision. I'll tell you what, Granger. Let me see if I can pull some strings and get the two of you in tomorrow. Hermione lets out a small squeal of joy, grabbing Theo's arm and shaking happily. I could kiss you, she smiles, jumping onto her feet and grinning down at Theo. Don't tease, Granger, he jibes, standing and wiping off the back of his trousers. And I can't make any promises. Charm like this only gets you so far. The older wizards on the council aren't usually persuaded by my attempts at flirtation and flattery. A shame. Quite. Theo turns, motioning for her to follow. I'll walk you to your room. Theo leads them through the quiet manor, the sconce candlelight glowing in warm yellow arcs against the wallpaper. They walk in amicable silence, side by side, Hermione's body finally beginning to feel the toll of her day of travel. They stop at the top of the stairs, where the corridor extends out to the other side of them, seemingly endless as the details are swallowed by darkness. Theo turns to face her, reaching out to take her hand with a small, genuine smile. His thumb brushes her knuckles as he brings the back of her hand to his lips, planting a soft, light kiss on it, before letting her drop it back to her side. Thank you, Granger. I needed that. To talk about everything. Hermione studies his features in the dark, and noticing all of the things that made Theo beautiful. Everything that she also admired about Draco. His cheekbones, thick eyebrows, pink lips, sharp, angular features. And she notices that all of those things on Theo make her feel nothing at all. I'm glad I could help you, Theo. Thank you for dinner. For the chat. Everything. Theo bows slightly his crooked smile twitching back onto his lips. I'll see you tomorrow, friend. With one final nod towards her, Theo turns and disappears down the stairs. Hermione follows the carpet runner down the corridor towards her room, smiling at her feet as her stomach swells at the prospect of getting into the library tomorrow, of telling Draco the exciting news. Did you have a good time? Hermione stops in her tracks lifting her head to squint into the darkness. He's leaning against the wall between their bedroom doors, his hair slightly tussled with sleep, though he's still in his wrinkled white Oxford and trousers from today. A motion of his wand towards one of the sconces on the wall lights a candle with orange flame, the flicker sending dancing shadows across Draco's face. His eyes meet hers, bright grey contrasting the darkness that envelops the space around them. His eyes are so pretty. She's always known this about him, though she's never dared to admit it. Their colour varied depending on the light they were under, sometimes like the weather. Like a living grayscale, ranging from onyx to platinum, storm cloud to a fierce, striking silver. She trails her eyes up and down the long lines of his lean body, the legs that support, the arms that carry, the shoulders that bear the neck that leans, 
the eyes that see and show and feel and emote, despite his best efforts to have them give away nothing at all. "'You're still up?' she asks, her voice half a whisper in the dark. "'When I woke up and realised I hadn't heard the ungodly loud clomp of your footsteps, I wondered whether Theo might have taken you into the woods and murdered you.' Hermione raises an eyebrow, inching towards him. "'I know he's a wanker, Malfoy, but do you really think he's capable of murder?' Draco shrugs, crossing his arms over his chest, his long fingers resting on the rolled-up sleeves of his Oxford. "'So did he take you on a romantic stroll, show you the estate's library and seduce you by quoting cliché muggle poetry?' Hermione steps past him towards her door, reaching out for the bronze handle, but Draco sidesteps quickly to block her, his body filling the frame as he stares down at her with the gleaming eyes. "'If it matters to you, Malfoy, he did take me on a walk. The Not Estate has lovely gardens, did you know?' She sweetens her tone. A few notches pass saccharine, blinking up innocently at him. "'How unoriginal,' Draco drawls, the corners of his mouth tipping downwards in a sour frown. "'I thought flowers didn't impress you, Granger.' "'I love gardens, actually,' she states, her hand on her hip. "'Thea and I talked. Nothing more. "'Now if you'll excuse me, I—' "'And what did you talk about, Granger?' "'He steps further in front of the doorknob. "'Hermione gives him a frustrated frown, "'having to lift her chin upwards to meet his eyes. "'Her pulse pounds away in her neck, "'his closeness sending her into a state of hyper-awareness, "'of his smell, his warmth.' his eyes that refused to leave her face. "'I hardly think there's any of your business, Malfoy.' He lets out a low, amused chuckle, brushing the fallen white-blonde fringe from his forehead. "'What? Don't enjoy the taste of your own medicine, Granger?' Hermione pokes a sharp finger into his chest, the tip of her index meeting the solid muscle of his upper pectoral. "'If I didn't pester you to tell me things half the time, we'd hardly get anything done.' Now, will you please excuse me so I can go to bed? Being in your company exhausts me. Draco grabs her finger with his large hand, holding it in a soft fist and pulling it from his chest. A shiver runs up Hermione's spine, a lump forming in her throat where she feels the steady thrum of Draco's own pulse against her skin. You got us in, didn't you? He rasps, his voice low and almost accusatory. He's leaned forward a bit, and now she feels his warmth of all on her, minty from his toothpaste. She gives him a sweet, satisfied smile, shrugging her shoulders like it's no big deal. What can I say, Malfoy? I'm an incredible investigative journalist. Draco lifts an eyebrow, his Adam's apple bobbing as he swallows. Humble, too. He releases her finger, and her arm drops back down to her side, tingling strangely. How'd you do it? She meets his gaze again, but something about it has changed, hardened. He searches her face, his eyes landing briefly on her lips before tugging them away again. Does it matter? she asks, her fingers finding her wand, running her thumb down the wood. Draco considers her for a moment, his tongue flicking out to wet his bottom lip. Yes. I suppose it does. His stare is sharp, 
his jaw working as he delivers the line without a second's pause. Her heart thumps up into her throat, her ribcage constricting around her lungs as she struggles to suck in air. I do have to include as many details as possible in my report to match. Her breath returns to her. Right. Well, I think he really just needed a small nudge in the right direction. A friend to talk to, really. A bit of encouragement to do the right thing. I see. Draco breathes, his eyes falling down to his socked feet. Well done, Columbo. Hermione pushes her shoulder into his side, shoving him slightly out of her way and turning the doorknob, the door creaking open to reveal the dark bedroom beyond. Is that all, Malfoy? And would you like to interrogate me some more? He finally steps out of the way, slipping his hand in his pockets as he gives her a curt shake of his head. There's always tomorrow. She's stepping through the door, reaching for her wand to put some lights on, when he decides he apparently hasn't had enough of bothering her yet. Oh, and Granger, maybe brush your hair tomorrow morning? We don't want Theo taking one look at you and deciding not to let us in after all. She pauses in the threshold between the door and her room, turning around again to face him. And you might want to try and smile around him, Malfoy. You don't know how to fake a smile, right? Or is that just not part of your minuscule emotional range? When his eyes light up playfully, a low, husky laugh falling from his lips, she feels it vibrate through her as if he'd laughed with his hips pressed to the skin behind her ear. A hot, spiky rush of heat trickles down her spine. Here's an idea. How about you don't brush your hair at all, and instead you can stand behind Theo at breakfast while I pretend to laugh at his jokes? Not the rat's nest for a family of fifteen. His teasing insults, which used to send her into a tailspin of rage, produce a different reaction from her now. She knows that he isn't doing it to be cruel, that he enjoys the reaction he gets from her just as much as she does when the role is switched. You exaggerate. She spins on her heel, hightailing it to the room and lighting a few sconces as she does. She purses her lips to hide a smile when she hears the soft noise of his footsteps as he follows her in. Don't worry, Granger. It really is adorable the way you've so oblivious to it. Just how it's adorable that you take every opportunity you can act like a total tosser. Are you flirting with me, Granger? Absolutely no, because if you're flirting, you should try to be a bit nicer to me. She turns to face him, seeing him standing in the middle of her room, with an amused expression. He watches her as if she's a fireworks show about to go off, and the anticipation is delicious. As if he can hear the popping, whizzing sounds of the spark he's building in her, with each of his cajoling jabs. Nice! You just insulted me twice, and now you're telling me I should be nicer to you! You know your cheeks get all red when you get aggravated, and your pupils go really wide. You look a bit demonic, actually. And did I mention you get this angry little dimple here, above your eyebrow? He lifts his hand upwards, poking the skin above her right eyebrow with the tip of his index finger. Hermione swats his hand away, scrubbing at the skin where he's touched her, as if she might erase the dimple she's had for years. And your face looks like a puckered arsehole most of the time, Malfoy, so here's the real loser here. You're not very good at flirting, are you? 
You're not doing yourself any favours here, Granger. Try a compliment instead. Something you like about me. Well, that's a very small list, and I don't want to run out of compliments too quickly. Should I ever need something from you? A lift of his dark eyebrow, and he steps a few inches towards her, effectively backing her into the wooden post of her canopy bed. So you admit there is something you like about me? I like it when you walk away from me. Oh? Did you mean my arse or my shoulders? Both great choices, by the way. I meant... Draco takes one step closer, and Hermione feels the carved wooden swell of the corner bedpost digging into her back. Her fingers reach behind her to grip it, steadying herself as he stops just short a foot away, leaving a space between them that feels so much wider than it actually is. Close, but not close enough. You're getting better at this already, Granger. Since we're doing this, I'm particularly fond of your laugh. You're not bad-looking when you aren't glaring at me, you know. The words run through her like a drop of ink to water, hitting her square in the chest of unfurling into darkness, into the murky wisps within her, inky tentacles stretching through her body until she's irreversibly stained by it. Not bad-looking. Thanks, Malfoy, for the compliment of a lifetime. You really know how to make a witch swoon. She deflects, unsure if he's serious or not, desperate to get him out of the room so she can breathe properly. Well, there's a lot more where that came from, he jokes, finally taking a step backwards. He seems to signal that he's finished teasing her, that he's gotten his fill of her angry eyebrow dimple and is ready to go back to sleep. Hermione's body relaxes, as if she and Draco have been attracted by a taut rubber band, and the tension has finally broken, snapping as she sighs a quiet breath of relief. "'Well?' she asks, urgent, exasperated. "'Do you need a glass of warm milk or something, Malfoy? "'Will you let me go to bed?' His smile drops, his expression wiped clean to a placid and readable one. "'I'm sure the house elves can bring me the milk, thank you very much.' He jibes dryly, a slightly snarky, the Draco she knows so well. Sweet dreams, Columbo. By the time she blinks, he's gone, the door shut behind him. As Hermione climbs into bed, she goes over a few new facts she has recently come to discover, overwhelmed by the number of half-truths forming in her head and niggling at her skull to be considered. Stick to the facts, Hermione. Only the fact. The bed in Theodore Knott's second guest bedroom is the comfiest bed Hermione has ever slept in. Fact. Theodore Knott is going to let Draco and Hermione into his family library. Fact. Draco had waited up for her. Fact. Hermione is pretty sure she'd like to kiss Draco Malfoy one day. Fact. Wanting to kiss Draco Malfoy just to see what it might be like is the hardest truth she's ever had to swallow. Hermione needs to majorly focus. Focus on finding that book. Focus on finding the spell. Focus on finding Harry. Everything else is extraneous. A fact that needs to be skimmed off the top and discarded. A futile distraction that will inevitably lead to absolutely nowhere. She sweeps it all from her mind until it's a blank slate before reorganising all of the important things, 
bringing them front and centre in her newly sterilised headspace. She'd watched earlier this morning when Theo had pulled Draco aside after breakfast, as Draco cut him off halfway through his three-minute apology speech to grant him forgiveness for the sole purpose of not having to hear Theo drone on any more. Theo had given her a thumbs up after, and Draco had mumbled something unintelligible as he'd hightailed it out of the dining room as fast as possible. Now, Theo apparates them to a thick grove of trees just outside the Admont Abbey, the Alps towering in the distance behind them, the cross-top spires of the monastery stretching into the cloudless blue sky ahead. It's beautiful, Hermione breathes as they make their way across the grass to a small walkway that takes them to the Abbey. But you mean to tell me that you're hiding a pure-blood library in a Catholic monastery run by muggles? What they don't know doesn't hurt them, Theo says, leading them down a tree-lined pathway to the creamy white facade of the building. Things got a bit difficult for them during the Reformation, so when my ancestors slipped in to borrow a portion for our own use, they were none the wiser. Borrow? Draco lifts an eyebrow. More of an indefinite loan, really, Theo amends, pulling his wand from the inner pocket of his robes. Most wizards don't even guess that they should come looking for a pure-blood library here. As for the muggles, well, we don't bother them and they don't bother us. My father used to call it a courtesy. A lifted sentence in exchange for free rent. It keeps us hidden, and we get a primo location, with stunning views of the Enstall Alps. Theo stops them, casting a disillusionment charm over all three of them before nodding in satisfaction and tucking his wand away. Once inside, they walk through the marble halls of the monastery, coming across a group of monks, who spare them no glance as they pass by. Theo's spell has worked. After a few turns and a series of gothic wooden doors, Theo brings them to a stop, turning to face them and flashing his white teeth in a knowing grin. Fair warning, Granger. You might want to hold someone's hand for this. I know you've got a bit of a thing for libraries. When the double doors creak open to reveal what's inside, Hermione's lips part in a silent gasp, her heartbeat slowing to a crawl and then picking up again in quick succession. I hope you know a spell to restart her heart, Draco draws from beside her as Theo chuckles. It's the most gorgeous place she's ever laid eyes on. Two stories, all white with gold details that shine under the rays of the afternoon sun that stream in through the windows. Decorative moulding along the shelves of books sports the faces of angels and intricate leaves, carling gold carvings framing the titles of each section. Theology, philosophy, music, science. Above her, the ceiling bubbles upwards in rounded coves, each portion covered in fastal fresco depicting angels amongst candy-floss-coloured clouds. It's as if the library is trying to mimic what heaven looks like, She's never seen anything so beautiful. She doesn't realise that she's been wandering until Draco's low whisper by her ear startles her back to reality. It's like you've never seen a bunch of dusty old books before, Granger. He teases, his shoulder brushing hers. How is this not the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen? She chastises, spinning in place as her eyes trail over the spines of ancient-looking tomes placed high on the packed shelves. I've seen prettier. 
She turns to him to find his eyes already on her, his expression as serious as the tone of his voice. Their gazes meet for a moment, the grey of his eyes practically light, almost blue. He's stepping past her to follow Theo before she can ask him what could possibly be more beautiful than this. She stares at his back as he walks away, his easy, confident strides slightly rigid as always. Come on, Columbo, we haven't got all day, he calls over his shoulder, using that demanding, overconfident tone that she can almost feel, grating like rocks tumbling around in her ribcage. Hermione catches up to Draco and Theo, who take them sm- to a small alcove of box at the end of the room. He taps the tip of his wand three times to a gold knob beside the shelves, before stepping through the bookshelves in precisely the same way that the wall at platform nine and three quarters swallows its entrance. Draco and Hermione follow suit, finding themselves in a smaller, darker version of the library they just left. Lucky for us, Theo says as he tucks his wand away again, walking backwards as he holds his arms out at the sides in display of the empty library. We've got the whole place to ourselves today. I paid a visit to our bookkeeper last night, and it seems she's come up with an unfortunate illness that will prevent her from coming in to work today. She'll be feeling much better by tomorrow, I should hope. What did you do to make her ill, Theo? Snog her? Draco jibes. Theo only rolls his eyes, a brown curl falling forward onto his forehead. A simple hex, really. Nothing too awful. But we can't be sure someone else won't wander in, so you should be quick. What is it that you're looking for? Maybe I can be of help to you. Hermione and Draco share a nervous glance. Draco's expression is untrusting. Warning. While Hermione's is saying, the more help, the better. Draco seems to read her expression as clearly as a crystal ball, because he gives her a relenting lift of his eyebrow, turning back to the Slytherin man before them. Anything on blood rituals. Nothing later than the 17th century, and we're not sure which language. Cross-reference with immortality and protective magical objects. Theo's expression goes from willing to dumbfounded. His lips pressing together as he swallows, looking back and forth between Draco and Hermione, with slightly widened eyes. What the hell has Potter got himself into? Hermione feels the snap of Draco's eyes on her, feels the heat of his glare on the side of her face before she turns to knead it. You told him, Draco seethes, rubbing his eyes with the heels of his palms as if in utter exasperation. Hermione angles her body towards Draco, lowering her voice to a raspy whisper. I did what I had to do. I got us in, Malfoy. That's what matters. Theo isn't going to tell anyone. They turn their chins and glance at Theo, catching it when he gives them a confident smile, setting the flat of his palm over his heart, his expression meant to signal absolute honesty. I swear on Merlin, Malfoy, and you know, his eyes flick upwards at the tall ceilings, as tall as they are throughout the entirety of the monastery. Under the eyes of God, or whatever, I'd never lie to you in such a holy place. Hermione hears the quiet sigh Draco releases beside her, flicking her eyes back up to his. If you really don't like it, we can obliviate him after, she says under her breath, quiet enough that Theo can't hear. 
Draco's eyes flick quickly over her face, his jaw working in though his need to assess her in quiet consideration. It's funny how she knows before Draco even decides for himself that he will trust her, that they trust each other. Let's just see if we can find this book first, and then we'll go from there, yeah? She nods, ready to get to work. Let's get started then. There are probably thousands of books in this library. If they were to look through each book individually, it would take them hours, maybe days, to narrow them all down. Thankfully, they were three of their year's highest-ranking students at Hogwarts, and they're all familiar with a specialised location spell that allows them to find the only book that contains information on all three of their specifications. Blood Ritual, Immortalisation Magic, and Protective Magical Objects. By the time all the books with this category have floated magically off the shelves to stack before themselves, they have narrowed it down to 53 books in total. Why am I not surprised that you're so proficient with that spell, Granger? Theo asks, striding towards her as he shoots her a playful wink. I hope you can read as well as you flirt, Theo, Draco jokes, intercepting Theo's approach when he steps between them towards the first intimidating pile of old tomes. They're stacked one atop the other as tiny distributed dust particles float in the air around them. Theo gives Draco a look of admonishment. What can I say? I'm a multi-talented wizard if there ever was one. When Theo opens up the first book in his pile, Hermione shoots Draco a look that she hopes is telling him to lay off. The last thing they needed was for Theo to change his mind because of Draco's habit of picking fights. An hour passes, and then another, and by the third, Hermione has translated at least three different languages, two others using a text translation spell. They have yet to be disturbed by anyone, and as she picks up her twelfth book, she begins to feel the summoning pressure to find what they're looking for and get out of here, before someone like McNair... Junior walks in to find a muggle-born getting her dirty fingertips all over the Purebred Library. The twelfth tome is a bit smaller and lighter than the rest have been. The decalled pages are so yellow they're almost brown, and the spine is so thin it's almost disintegrated entirely. With careful fingers, Hermione opens the book, eyes falling upon the symbols of a runic alphabet and a language which she is mostly unfamiliar. Because of the intricacies and varieties in old languages, a translation spell would most likely be inaccurate. They tended to be very limited in their range and scope. It was best to translate by hand, which was time-consuming and difficult. Hermione sighs under her breath, flipping quickly through the pages as if she might be able to speed-read through it all. But as the pages flicker, something catches her eye. A dark blotch of ink, a handwritten blurry as she passes by it in the flurry of pages. One of these things is not like the other. She stops flipping, her body suddenly taut and browsing as she flips back page after page, searching for whatever it was she'd passed by so quickly. She almost misses it again, has to go back a page and presses her thumb to the soft, wrapped crevice of the spine to get the book to lie flat the tiny pen symbol hiding conspicuously in the top left corner where the parchment bends around the seam to be in a good place to look. 
a deathly hollow symbol, a hand-drawn, imperfect, wholly individual beside the careful printing of writing and runes on the rest of the page, and under it the tiny scrawled letters C.P. Cadmus Peveril. This was the spell that had created the Deathly Hallows, so while Hermione is rendered 99% speechless by her discovery, her hands shaking, her mouth dry, adrenaline rushing through her veins like water through a dam, there is one word that she manages to get out, one word that comes as easy to her as breathing. Malfoy! And then, as if his name alone has suddenly broken a phasic spell, she manages three more. I've found it! Thank mm-hmm. you.